how do you take the politics out of something inherently political, like redistricting? Throw out phrases like, let's get the politicians out of it. Maps in the past were gerrymandered, and that was just a bunch of bull. I think they would like people to have to make compromise, move away from the polarities, and move closer to more people who are in the center. Is it possible to create political maps without thinking about politics? Should you even try? This is Purplish from CPR News, a podcast about Colorado politics, policy, and for this season, our public affairs team is focused on all things redistricting. I'm Benta Berkland here with our Washington, D.C. reporter, Caitlin Kim. Hi, Benta. Hey, so we're happy to have you in Colorado to tape this in person. I'm used to seeing you behind a screen at the nation's capital. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to be seen in 3D for a change. Colorado is one of about 10 states using independent bipartisan commissions to draw new maps. That means for the first time in the state's history, lawmakers have no role in redistricting. And as we mentioned in our first episode of this season of Purplish, voters overwhelmingly approved this new process three years ago. A major goal was to make redistricting less political and more fair. Right. And I've talked to a lot of people who are hopeful about the process. But I will say behind that hope, I think there is a certain amount of realism because in the end, this is all about politics and power. Yeah. And these final maps could shape the balance of power in Washington, D.C., between Democrats and Republicans nationally, obviously impacts state legislatures Mm -hmm. and how different groups are represented for the next decade. Yes. I have kind of heard from a lot of Democrats that, you know, Democrats here control the state house, they control the governor's office, and they're using this commission. But there are other states, as you know, where Republicans have this kind of control, and they're not using commissions. So there's this idea that Republicans are using uh, the non-commission process, the legislative processes in their states, to cement their advantage, both in the U.S. House and in state legislatures. Right. And I talked to State Senator Jeff Bridges. He's From the Denver suburbs, and he's one of the more moderate Democrats in the legislature, and he says it gives him a bit of a heartburn to think about the potential national implications of which states are using these commissions Mm -hmm. compared to the states that aren't using commissions. In red states, we're seeing fewer legislatures being willing to give up that power to an independent commission. And so there is a danger that you will have legislatures in red states drawing districts that minimize the voice of certain people in their state and end up sending a predominantly one-sided delegation to Congress, whereas in more progressive states you have a representative group of people from that state going to represent that state in Washington, which I think is better. Right. So I I would say it's probably not such a big deal if Colorado does it. It's only really eight House seats that are Mm -hmm. in question. But when you think about some of the bigger Democratic states that are doing this, like California, which has dozens of House seats, it does start to be significant, Um, especially when the biggest sort of Republican-led states like Texas and Florida, who also have dozens of seats, don't. So Bridges, I'm just curious, does he support the fact that Colorado decided to use independent commissions? He actually does, yes. And the legislature backed this idea unanimously and referred the question to voters. And it's definitely not a small feat to get every state lawmaker to agree on something like this around redistricting. 
Bridges says even though Democrats do control Colorado's government right now, he's glad they're not in charge of drawing maps, especially because his party may not always be in power, especially in the next redistricting cycle 10 years from now. Even Massachusetts had a Republican governor, right? There is no such thing as a permanent majority. And so setting up the structures and mechanisms of governing in such a way that they are fair and representative and that they are constructed to make sure that the will of the people of Colorado is represented in their legislature and in their congressional delegation is always the right thing to do. You know, I didn't cover Colorado politics back then in 2018 when amendments Y and Z were passed, but it does make sense to me that Democrats would support this. I mean, the state back then had a Republican senator. You know, there were more Republicans than Democrats in the House delegation. Three out of the four statewide offices were held by Republicans. So it seems like Democrats would feel like they're, they, would, they would have been better off with commissions. Well, and we also had a split state legislature. Republicans controlled the state Senate and Democrats controlled the House. But actually, Democrats weren't initially as enthusiastic about this as you might think. The story I heard was Republicans were going to put something on the ballot. And... Democrats weren't leading this effort, but eventually got on board and wanted to work with Republicans to get something they could all agree on. Certainly inside the state capitol, all of the lawmakers did agree. Outside of the capitol, it was a little bit different. I talked to Wellington Webb. He's Denver's former mayor, mm-hmm. a, a Democratic power broker. Mm-hmm. He's been involved <laughs> in politics a long time. He's been involved in redistricting for a long time. And he told me he thinks Republicans in Colorado were very smart to get behind this idea of an independent commission. Well, the one thing that I give Republicans credit for is when they have power, they use it. And when they lose power, they try to figure out a way to get it back. (laughs) And Democrats normally tend to go along with, let's open up this process and, and, and see how it works for everybody at their own demise. Uh, you know, one of his big things is he thinks regular citizens and that that's, these commissions are made up of regular citizens. Mm-hmm. There's so many restrictions on who can apply and they can't have close ties to politics. But he thinks people with closer ties to politics should be in charge of the process. He said the commission, quote, discriminates against experience. <laughs> wow, that is something. I, I will say, though, the people that I've been talking to, the, you know, the regular people that don't have these deep ties to politics really seem to like the idea of using a commission. And, you know, that's what kind of sold them on the idea that that they're not these political insiders drawing lines and maps in some back room somewhere. You know, they like the fact that it's transparent. Right. And voters pass this pretty easily in Colorado. So clearly people from a lot of different political backgrounds agreed with this idea of a commission and thought it was a good thing. Though Webb says that's the equivalent of saying you're going into surgery and you don't want to have a doctor providing the surgery for you. You're going to take somebody that might have an interest in surgery and watch medical shows on on TV, Grey's Anatomy or something, and put them in charge of the surgery that you're about to have. That doesn't make sense. And no, I, I could see where, the point that he's making there. I'm curious, uh, Benta, you know, we've heard a lot from unhappy Democrats But since Republicans don't have a lot of power right now in the state, are some of them breathing a sigh of relief? I think Republicans realize the proposed maps wouldn't look this good for the GOP if Democrats were in charge of redistricting. They would have basically unilateral power to just gerrymander everything 
That's Republican Representative Colin Larson talking about Democrats. In a lot of ways, Republicans kind of dodged a bullet. You know, a map can still be legal, but help one particular party over another because there is quite a bit of discretion on how you draw these maps. And the GOP in Colorado has faced some steep election losses in recent years. With statewide offices in the legislature, the U.S. Senate, they haven't had a lot to celebrate recently. Mm -hmm. Larson says these independent commissions give him hope. This is a process that can be kind of a model for the nation. You know, if we do implement this process kind of around the country, I hopefully we'll see that, you know, seep into our national politics where it's less of a tribalistic, you know, us versus them and more of a battle of ideas, um, you know, where people are still human beings in your neighbor. You just disagree with them on certain policy issues and you argue over that, but you don't view them as the enemy, which I think unfortunately is what we've kind of devolved into. Yeah, you know, that is a great kind of, I would say at this this point in time, very lofty goal to achieve. I don't feel like we're seeing that, especially if anyone looks at political Twitter. I mean, I, I think you, you have kind of seen a devolution of, of the way people refer to each other. And you're in D.C. covering Congress, so you, you have a more upfront view of this than most of us. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's nice to dream big like Colin Larson is doing. I will say, though, he has to like what he's been seeing with the draft map. Colorado could have a congressional delegation now that's evenly split with four Democrats and four Republicans in a state that's not really purple right now. Purple-ish. Lynn, don't make us change the name of this podcast. We'll we'll put the emphasis on ish. Ish, yes. You know, as I think about what political people were saying right after the map came out, no one was full-throated, excited, or angry. They all just wanted to see how it will change. But of course, they haven't just been sitting around waiting for the commission to do its work. Probably the biggest way to influence the 12-member commission is by getting people who agree with your perspective to show up at a public hearing or send in written comments. And we've seen organizations from the right and left urging people to weigh in on these maps. Yeah, I've listened in on a couple of these public hearings. I know you have and Andy has as well. And I went to one and there seemed to be a lot, a lot of former mayors or city council members or county commissioners testifying about these maps. You know, why some lines make sense to them, but more often why they don't and who they think they should be grouped with or why their county or city should not be divided. I talked to attorney Mario Nicolai and he served on a commission 10 years ago to draw statehouse maps. And he was a Republican uh, appointed to the commission. He's now unaffiliated. And he said he doesn't think people can really expect regular Coloradans, citizens to participate in these hearings, in part because it's so technical. You know, I don't know that the public was all that fully engaged before. I mean, this is uh, redistricting is a very, very inside baseball for a lot of people. And and it's got a lot more complexity and nuance than most of the public is willing to engage in um, and thinking about. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, I don't know that it's all that different than it was, was in years past. You know, I think he does have a point. I've spoken to people on the street who say, you know, they are political and they, they keep abreast of that stuff, but they hadn't heard at all about redistricting mm. or the process. And, you know, as for the people who are testifying, look, I don't know their deep motivations or if they're pushing one party or the other, but they had their opinions and they voiced them. Again, usually about the counties or cities they don't want to be clumped with. Right. And depending upon if you do remove or add a county or city, it can pretty dramatically change 
the political makeup of a district and how competitive it will be. So mm -hmm. I'm always wondering in the back of my mind, are these genuine concerns or is it people trying to influence the map to help a particular political party? Right. And we've heard stories about that, right? We have, yes. The Colorado Springs Gazette recently reported on a video which they obtained, and it showed Republican Representative Matt Soper. He's from Delta on the Western Slope, and he was in this video meeting with a small group of Republicans and essentially telling them some language they could use at a public hearing and what they would maybe want to say. And the the goal is to protect Republican seats, but telling people not to use those terms outright, you can't go before the commission and say that's what you're trying to do. Right. And I think the reason this story got so much traction was because he said the quiet part out loud in this in this little group training, but not. Right. But don't say that quiet part out loud in front of the commission. <laughs> exactly. It is why it got some traction. I talked to Representative Soper and he said, look, he doesn't regret anything he said. Um, and he told me, quote, it's not like I was convincing people to do something they weren't already interested in and willing to do already. They wanted to participate in redistricting. They wanted to hear what makes a community of interest. And so Soper noted that the group he was talking to in this video, you know, that the handful of folks were pretty conservative Republicans. And he, he thinks they would have been pretty shocked if Soper didn't talk about ways to go before the commission and speak that would help Republicans and help the GOP. Because um, a lot of people in both political parties they have their policies that they're supporting and that, you know, they want certain people elected. Mm -hmm. And so I, we do see this from groups across the political spectrum, but we usually don't hear the audio and it may not be quite as obvious. Right. And look, we've alluded to this in the last episode and we'll be talking about this throughout the series. But um, the community of interest is such a broad term. Mm -hmm. You know, you can help a politician. You can keep a conservative area whole. You can keep a liberal area whole. It just encompasses so many different things to different people. Yeah, I actually called up the commission staff and talked to Jessica Shipley. She's the staff director and asked her a little bit about kind of the manufactured testimony. Mm -hmm. And like you said, because the categories are pretty broad, like community of interest, you know, how do the commissioners react to that type of thing? And she said... The commissioners expect testimony with an agenda that maybe was prompted by someone, and there's no way to prevent that. But she said the commissioners really don't like it when people aren't upfront about who they're affiliated with. If they are working for or have ties to a political party or an advocacy organization. They want those people to be registered as lobbyists with Secretary of State. And when they're not, they feel... Well, I can't say how they feel. It appears that something, you know, shady or sketchy is going on. And that makes it hard to to take what those people are saying and feel like it's completely honest and true. Right. So if you look online, I think there are about three pages of disclosures about who can actually lobby the commission. Yeah. And, and to, to make it clear, to be a lobbyist or required to register, a person has to be getting paid to talk to the commissioners to try to influence these maps. So I was looking online at the lobbying disclosures and I recognized some of the names and mostly Democrats. Um, I have been hearing concerns that not every group or some, some people behind the scenes aligned with Republicans are not registering. Oh, 
Okay. So bottom line is you have a lot of groups and politicians encouraging people to make their opinions known. But as long as they're not getting paid by that group or politician or political party, they are not lobbying. Right. And Shipley said, look, even if you're registered, it doesn't discount your testimony. I mean, Mm -hmm. they still want to hear from people. Um, And a lot of times you can be a lobbyist and have a lot of expertise and political knowledge. And that's why you're working for a political party. So that can add value to your testimony before the commission. She did say, interestingly, that the commissioners do check to see if the people reaching out to them are registered as lobbyists. Um, And if somebody thinks a person is not registered and should be, you can file a complaint with the Colorado Secretary of State's office. I will say one of the things that I have heard is that transparency was like sort of a major selling point about the independent redistricting process. And Colorado's redistricting commissions are kind of based on the premise that a knowledgeable public will inform them about, you know, what their communities of interest are, where their sort of alignments should be. And there's certainly an opportunity with public hearings throughout the state in person and virtual hearings. The staff of the commission said by the end of this, Colorado will have had more than 30 public hearings. But then the other thing that we have to keep in mind is even at our our busiest meeting where we had 60 some people testify over the course of three or four hours, that's still just 60 people from a particular community. And Does it represent those people? You know, does having a county commissioner coming out really represent everybody in that community? And we're obviously we know that it doesn't. Yeah, I I will say this, and this might be the political nerd in me talking, but (laughs) I do think people should be engaged because this process, this does have consequences for the next 10 years. Yeah. I mean, Democrats only have a five seat majority in the House of Representatives, and that could be totally wiped away just through redistricting, like not Mm. even elections and campaigns. So it matters whether the maps that Colorado lands on favor a 4-4 split delegate delegation versus a 5-3 delegation with a majority of Democrats. Mm -hmm. I I do think a lot of people will be interested in the eventual outcome of what this all means, what the maps look like, how competitive the seats are, but it's mostly going to be shaped by political insiders. Still not politicians like a lot of states, which, you know, the politicians are directly drawing the maps. Mm -hmm. And we'll actually get to see how much of that public input, lobbying, Efforts to influence the maps will impact these final maps. I asked one of the staff members to give me a little bit of a preview, and she did (laughs) say she expects the maps to change pretty significantly. Um, And we'll get a first look at the updated congressional map with the final census figures Labor Day weekend. Working on a holiday. Now you know, you thought you may be going to a barbecue. (laughs) I'll be spending it virtually with you instead. Yay. A quick update because the news doesn't stop. After we recorded this episode of Purplish, something we talked about as a possibility actually happened. One of the Democrats who is registered to lobby the redistricting commission filed a complaint on behalf of a voter alleging that three prominent Republicans had been lobbying the commission without registering as lobbyists. The complaint is now in the hands of the Colorado Secretary of State's office. That's it for this episode. We'll be back in your feeds in a couple of days with more of our deep dive on all things redistricting. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Benta Berkland with my colleague, Caitlin Kim. 
This is Purplish from CPR News.